Hi, you're listening to the Connect Your Health to Life coaching podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I am a self-image coach and empowerment coach with a decade-long background in working in the health, fitness, and nutrition industry. If you're anything like I was or the way that my clients currently are, then you might be struggling with body image issues, self-image issues, or issues with confidence. You might be trying to figure out why you can't take the ideas that you have for living your healthiest and most fulfilling life and turn them into lifelong actions. So join me in this podcast as we dive in deep on topics of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. We're going to look from the perspective of an authentic and empowering mindset and from self-awareness, self-love, and of course, how we can start taking authentic self-action towards living that healthy and fulfilling life that you know you're here to live. I'm going to bust through some of the illusions and myths that we've all been taught to believe along the way and offer you confidence and clarity. I'm so excited to have you on this journey with me. So the only question is, are you ready to find out how you can start living your most authentic and fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? Hey everyone, so to my followers out there, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, To those of you who are listening in for the first time this week, welcome, welcome. You picked an exciting episode to listen in on for your first ever episode of the Connect Your Health to Life coaching podcast. That's a mouthful. And also, side note, I think all of my episodes are amazing. So you could have picked any episode and it would have also been amazing, but I'm glad you picked this one because it's an important one. Um, so this week, if you saw the title of the podcast, you may have guessed we're talking all about self-care. And the reason I chose this week to talk about self-care is because last week I spoke on the podcast about being selflessly selfish and that, um, it's so important that we choose to be selflessly selfish in the fact that we put our needs first take care of our needs, make sure those are met, and then we're able to show up in the world in a way where we're so much more full of love and abundance and power and strength and energy and vitality, and we're so much more able to contribute in that way, which ties in perfectly to the subject of self-care, because self-care is the way in which we make sure that our needs are met first. And so what I notice when it comes to the topic of self-care is that there is a lot of confusion around what self-care is, what self-care isn't, how how do we make sure that we're practicing our self-care and um, you know, of course, as humans, we, we want to believe everything is black and white, so there's a right or a wrong way to do it, and there are certain things that are so... Okay, so... I want to kind of clear all of this up, and I want to talk about what self-care is not, and the phenomenon that I see occurring now in people that people label as self-care, but it is in fact the opposite of self-care. And I want to talk about a couple of things first before we dive into the specifics of self-care. And the first thing that I want to address is that a lot of people, when 
I introduce them to my work and the things that I do um, to help people create a, a powerful self-image, um, a loving self-image, and to become the most authentic and empowered version of themselves and their lives. And when people hear about that I do, I, I do thought work um, to help people to take have like emotional responsibility. So responsibility in how we're managing our mind and how we are viewing our emotions and how we are choosing to respond to those emotions and what we are making those emotions mean and the things that are happening around us, how we have the power in choosing what we make those mean. And so the thing that I see a lot of people do with this kind of work, and I'm not the only coach that does this, so I also see people taking other people's work that teach things similar to what I teach, and they, they do the same thing with it. They they have this sort of subconscious goal in mind that what they want to do is to feel comfortable and happy all of the time, <laughs> and that this is the idea of the purpose of life, is to try and get to that point where we're just happy and comfortable all of the time. And what I want to say is, if this is your goal in life, my friends, you're going to be in for a world of suffering <laughs> because it's not the goal. It never, it never has been the goal. It never will be the goal. It's impossible. And even if it were possible... I would say, I don't think you would really want it. I know you think you would want it, but I don't think you would. And we're going to talk about a, a, a little bit later why it is that this illusion of thinking that somehow being happy and comfortable all of the time makes us think that that would be a good thing, but why, in fact, it's actually not. It's really not. And... Again, I want you all to understand where this comes from, and I've mentioned this in several podcast episodes. Our brain, it's sort of like we have two brains, <laughs> one brain sitting on top of the other. So we have the primitive brain, which is where, you know, all of our innate sort of, or the, these things that we have naturally, like our response to fear. Um, when we feel hungry, our stomach starts to grow. So we have this primitive part of our brain, and it's programmed with a lot of very powerful responses in our body. And then on top of that, we have our prefrontal cortex, which allows us to be able to observe what's going on around us and going on in our primitive brain and make decisions with intention. And what I see a lot of people doing in their life is slipping into this autopilot mode where they just allow their primitive brain to have free reign over their life. And they feel at the effect of their brain because they're not using their most powerful tool to their advantage because they they really they haven't read the instruction manual of their brain and that's kind of a, a huge part of the work that I do with people as a coach is sort of like reading through the instruction manual of their brain with them and showing them like okay so this is why this happens and I understand you've made it mean this most of your life and so this is therefore why you've chosen to respond the way that you choose to respond but what I want to show you is that there is another way. There is another option. And in this option, you have power. You have choice. And so that's a huge part of the work that I do as a coach is sort of handing people the instruction manual to their brain. Okay, so this brings me to the next part 
of what I want to talk about. And it's a huge problem that I see that we are creating for ourselves in our modern society and and how our culture teaches us to respond to our lives and show up in our lives. Okay? And I addressed this in a video that I did a long time ago um, on my social media, and it's no longer up, but I think I will... I will put it into a podcast episode maybe another time. Um, I did a, a, a video called Human Evolution 2.0. And I was talking about how right now we're faced with a very interesting step in our human evolution. And what I mean by that is that up until now, and I mean, when I say now, I mean like the past, I'd say 200 years. And I know that seems like a very long time because as humans, we usually live to maybe, if we're lucky, be about 100 years old. Um, So 200 years over the grand scheme of things, looking at the humanity and how we've evolved from our, you know, from other animals and things like this, it's this 200 years is actually a very small period of time. And during this time, we have been faced with a dilemma that our next step in evolution doesn't come with an imminent life-threatening demand attached to it. You might be confused about what I mean by that. So, let's think about this. In the past, the ways which we've evolved were out of necessity, There was literally something that was going to kill us if we didn't evolve. Dinosaurs, you know, like other animals were going to kill us. You know, figuring out how to eat certain types of food or we would die. Figuring out how to cook our food so we wouldn't die. Like all of these different, all of our evolutions up until this point were basically ways to make sure we don't die. And our current society and culture has made it so easy now to live in this apathetic stagnation and to just kind of accept for ourselves that this is just how life is. And the goal is to just sort of like apathetically numb ourselves to any discomfort that we encounter and to see that, you know, that it's it's like, okay, so if you think about this, The things that are killing us now are diseases that we create within ourselves. We have cancer, we have diabetes, we have obesity. These are all diseases that come from our overindulgence in a lot of different things. Um, You know, lung cancer from smoking, lung cancer from overpolluting our planet because we can't stop traveling everywhere and putting off exhaust fumes and using so much electricity and needing power plants to create that electricity and all of the different things that we have in life that are polluting our air, which then creates lung cancer. So we have all of these diseases right now and many other different types of cancer that are caused by different types of overindulgences in our life. And what I want to offer is that even though we recognize that the things that we're doing could possibly kill us? Possibly. Our current culture and our medical system has provided us with a way that we're, we can almost be like, it's not so important. Because even if we, even if I just keep eating and get diabetes, it's okay because I can take insulin. And when the insulin stops working, it's okay. They'll have another medication that can, you know, treat the symptoms of this disease that I'm creating in myself that could kill me. And so we've created this culture in which it's okay to sort of just like ignore 
the things that we are doing to ourselves that are actually harming ourselves. And we can sort of ignore the discomfort of our apathy and our stagnation. But what we don't see because of this culture is how much that stagnation also then creates more discomfort as we neglect ourselves, as we ignore ourselves, as we neglect our goals, our dreams, and our values. And we are overtly and covertly taught that seeking more in life or wanting more in life is self-indulgent, selfish, pointless, and cruel to ourselves. For instance, people saying like exercising and dieting is cruel. And I, I will say that there are ways to go about this that are cruel, and we're going to talk about that later. So what is cruel is that we tell ourselves that we cannot pursue something that we genuinely want to pursue because we don't, ourse- we don't allow ourselves to believe that we're worth it. We do not allow ourselves to believe in our worth as being 1,000% amazing no matter what we might try to do and fail at. (laughs) So we choose to not try things at all. We choose to believe that our self-worth is conditional, and so therefore we don't try anything at all other than to try and be comfortable all the time. We don't want to try anything new because we're afraid of the discomfort that comes along with it. But we're already uncomfortable because we're not trying those new things that we want to try. And we're ignoring ourselves in the process. And here's what I want to offer, my friends. Growth is uncomfortable. It's supposed to be. It always has been. Evolution is and always has been uncomfortable. The difference is that now we have the ability to seek that comfort and to numb discomfort all of the time. And that's always available to us. And there is no imminent dangerous threat right now that drives us to seek the discomfort of growth over the discomfort of constantly seeking comfort and the discomfort of being stagnant and apathetic to our dreams and our desire to evolve. And our medical care can cure almost any disease. Almost any disease. And if it doesn't cure it, it will at least mitigate the symptoms for us enough that we can quote-unquote function with them and not die immediately. So again, as I said just a minute ago, we know that our current constant buffering and desire to seek constant comfort through eating, drinking, taking medications, um, you know, all of the different things that we can do in order to try and escape discomfort of our emotions, and we know it's damaging our body, but we remain apathetic to it because we know that the doctors can make a surgery or give us some sort of medication that will undo the symptoms of the damage that we're causing to ourselves. And so we just, quote-unquote, deal with that discomfort because we can stay in the familiar discomfort of apathy instead of choosing to move into the unfamiliar discomfort of evolution and growth that requires for us to care for our bodies in a way where we need to choose and see and know its value and worth. And we won't do that. We won't see its value. We won't know its worth because, again, we're looking for other people outside of us to give that to us, and they can't. We have to choose that for ourselves. We have to treat our minds that way and ourselves that way and treat who we are and our self-image with that same care and attention. But we don't want to because we want to give that to something outside of us because we're so used to giving responsibility for our well-being to something outside of us, to a medicine, to a doctor, to a surgery, to a, a new device that we can buy, to a diet that we can try, to a new exercise routine, to a personal trainer, to, you know, so many different things that we delegate our responsibility for our own well-being to. Which brings me to the topic of today, which is about our self-care. 
and how our current desire to constantly seek comfort and buffer away any uncomfortable emotions or discomfort in the human experience in order to not choose growth because that uncomfortable is unfamiliar, what I've noticed is, is that this has caused us to create this culture that sees self-care in this very non-serving and bipolar way. And we do this with a lot of stuff, this this whole black and white thinking, right, wrong, good, bad. We also treat our self-care the same way. It's very bipolar. Either self-care is so strict and so restrictive and is used as this punishment almost to our bodies to force ourselves to be good enough by being better or to do enough to be worth something. That's one way. Or we go to the opposite extreme where self-care is basically so apathetic and and so not willing to grow because all we want to do is just try and stay comfortable all the time and ignore our goals, ignore our dreams, and say to ourselves, oh, that goal is hard, so don't do that to yourself. Just sit here and eat another cupcake, even though they're going to make you sick, because that's easier, and at least you can take a medicine later to mitigate the symptoms of diabetes, or if you get obese, you can just take some diet pills, and that feels better, so this must be loving myself. Even though I, what I really want is for my body to not be sick. And what I really want is that I have these dreams and ideas that I want to try, but they're scary. And this cupcake just feels less scary. And it will distract me from the fact that I'm not willing to see myself as someone worth chasing after my dreams and ideas or explore them. So you can see in both cases, self-care in, by these definitions is not actually caring for ourselves. And here is what I want to offer about self-care. It is neither of those things. It is, again, in this huge gray area in between that we always want to just overlook. Listen to me saying always. (laughs) That we have this tendency to overlook. We want to not have to think because our primitive brain thinks that thinking is a waste of energy. It wants to conserve energy. So our primitive brain tries to drive us to find a black or white solution because then we don't have to think. We can just always seek comfort no matter what. Or we can just always beat up on ourselves and never be good enough. And we can never choose to see our worth. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like our brain convinces us that it has to be either or and that there's not this huge space of and in between. You see... Here is what self-care is. Self-care is, in fact, all about loving ourselves. But our definition of love has gotten so skewed by this bipolar view of love that our modern culture gives us. That love is either being this tough love of being rude and mean and playing on people's insecurities, of someone's conditional self-worth, and then trying to use that to scare them into doing things. That's a form of self-love that I see, or or love that I see people doing. They call it tough love. And love is tough, but not in this way. It's not playing on people's insecurities and their low self-worth to try and scare them into doing things. That's not love. And the other way I see people using love is they say things like to themselves like, well, just let them do whatever they want, because if I ever tell them the truth, it might hurt their feelings. And love is neither of these things. Love is neither of those things. Because in both of these situations, you're lying. There is a lie there. 
Because the truth is, the tough love version, you're lying about the person's self-worth. Because the person's self-worth is unconditional. And the person can also be you, by the way, not just another person. We we can also be talking about self-love here. The worth is unconditional. So using love as a way to convince someone that they need to do something better in order to be worthy of more love, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's one way in which we use love as a lie. The other way in which we use love as a lie is we don't tell people our truth because we don't want to allow them to have their human experience of making it mean whatever they're going to make it mean and loving them through that. That's love. Love is the truth first, always. Truth comes first, always. And I don't mean truth as in calling someone names and and, because we see this as being the truth. You know, we see truth as being like being mean to a person. But the truth is, truth means owning our responsibility in creating our reality and speaking that with love and acceptance to the other person and giving them the opportunity to respond in however way they choose to respond and loving them through that. That's truth and love. And seeing that however the other person's response to you, you speaking the truth does not diminish their worth either. Choosing to lie to alleviate your own discomfort of their response to your truth is not love. Love is owning that truth and owning that you are the one that's responsible for that truth. And it has nothing to do with the other person. It's about you and your view of things. And speaking that... And allowing the other person to make it mean whatever they're going to make it mean and love them. I'm going to give you an example. My best friend here in Zurich, I'm not going to mention their name for privacy's sake, but we have a policy of radical honesty and we have had many discussions about this. And by radical honesty, it means that we speak our truths to each other even when it is so uncomfortable, even when we are afraid that the other person might make it mean something that hurts their feelings and therefore might respond in a way that might not be comfortable. They might make it mean something like, okay, so sometimes I have a feeling about something, maybe something I don't like or something I do like, like if I'm hanging out with her. And I start to get uncomfortable with the situation and I want to go home. My desire might be to do one of two things. Either number one, I don't say anything and I just remain miserable and pretend to be enjoying myself and hope that she eventually gets bored and wants to end the night so that I can finally go home and do what I want to do. Because I don't want to tell her that I want to go home because if I tell her that I want to go home, maybe she'll make that mean that I don't like her and then she'll get pissed off and I don't want to deal with that discomfort. So I'd rather just not say anything at all. The other thing I might try and do is I might decide to make up a lie about why I want to go home, one that I think she couldn't possibly argue with or see it as being my choice or my fault. So obviously this is just out of my control. It just sucks. And oh, well, I have to go home. You just have to deal with that. So this way, the responsibility of going home isn't mine. It's out of my hands. Because if the responsibility is mine, then she might make it mean something negative and respond to me in a way that then makes me feel that I'm going to choose to then be uncomfortable about. So that's another way I could do it. 
Or I might decide to blame her or something she is doing as why I'm so uncomfortable and I want to go home so that then she feels guilty and then feels like she has to let me go home. And I see a lot of people in friendship relationships choose one of these three options in situations similar to this, and it creates a lot of dishonesty, a lot of resentment, and it puts so much strain on the relationship. So these are options I could choose, and none of them are love. None of them are. None of them are speaking my truth. So when I choose to live by our policy of radical honesty, here's what I choose to do instead. I tell her, hey, I'm feeling tired right now, or I'm feeling bored right now, and I'm feeling tired or bored because I'm thinking these things, and this is what I want to do, and why? I want to go home because I feel like if I go go home, I can just go to sleep and I'll feel better. Or I don't like this situation because of this happening right now and I'm worrying about this and I feel like therefore going home and resting is the most important thing for me to do. And I know these thoughts and feelings are thoughts and feelings and they are mine and I'm creating them and it has nothing to do with you being boring or annoying and it has nothing to do with anything being wrong with you. I'm just thinking these things and therefore I feel this way and I what I would like to do is go home right now. So... What comes up for you when I tell you this? And then I allow her to respond in whatever way she's going to respond. Maybe she says, oh, well, that's, I'm I'm a bit bummed that you're not having fun right now. I'm having fun and I feel sad that I'm here having fun and you're not and and you want to go home because I feel like if you go home, then I'm not going to be able to have fun and that my night is ruined. That's a possibility of what she could say. Or she might say, yeah, I understand that. I understand why you might feel this. Maybe it is better if you just go home and get a good good night's rest. But here's the thing. No matter what she says, I know because I owned my responsibility in creating my emotional experience in this moment that also she's responsible for her emotional experience to experiencing what I'm telling her about my emotional experience. And so therefore, I don't have to make it mean something bad about me. And I can be in the discomfort of just allowing her to say whatever she's going to say and how she feels. Sometimes she may even ask me questions of, why do you think this about this certain thing? Why are you choosing to feel this way about this certain thing? And that's good because then it causes me to, why is it that I feel uncomfortable with this situation? Why is it that I don't like this? Why is it that I'm making this occurring right now be boring for me? Could I do something right now to not feel bored? What could I do to be less boring? (laughs) You know, or maybe it's really just that my body is physically tired and I need to go home because I didn't rest enough this past week and I worked too hard and I pushed myself too hard because I wasn't seeing my self-worth. And I need to recognize that. This is my responsibility for creating this tiredness in myself and own that and tell her that. Speak that truth to her. Look, this is what I did this week. And I'm sorry that we had these plans and I was, you know, being so selfishly selfish that I didn't take care of myself this week to make sure that I had the energy to do this with you. And I'm sorry. I own that responsibility for that. And next time we make plans, I'll make sure that I'm I'm more energetic and able to, to do this. So you see what I'm saying here? In this situation, we are both able to be radically honest and 1000% truthful for each other and allow each other to respond however we might respond because we're owning our own power in creating that experience and not 
this blame game on each other that feels more guilty, more emotionally uncomfortable, and this is what love is about. Love is about truth first, always. So you might be wondering, how does this apply to self-care? Self-care is always about love. Sorry, I just hit my hand on the desk. Self-care is always about love, but it is about our self-love. So self-care requires for us to always tell ourselves the truth, even when it is so uncomfortable and we know how we might respond to that truth. We know our beliefs surrounding what we're about to tell ourselves and we know what's going to come up and we don't try and cover up that truth. We don't try and buffer it away with alcohol or food or television or social media or having a conversation with someone or, you know, doing something to distract ourselves to seek immediate comfort instead of sticking with the discomfort of speaking our truth. Self-care is not seeking that instantly gratifying pleasure. But self-care is also not abusive in the way that we are cruel to ourselves and neglect ourselves and our true needs to try and be better or be good enough. It's not avoiding the truth to try and seek instant pleasure. It's not avoiding the truth by neglecting ourselves to try and be better and be good enough by abusing ourselves. No, self-care is love. And love means truth first all of the time we tell ourselves the truth, and then allow ourselves to respond to the truth in a way that is genuine, and then seek the truth behind that response, and love ourselves entirely through that process. That is self-care, which may mean that we choose something that we know is good for us in the long run, and that we want to choose, but right now it feels annoying, it feels inconvenient, it feels uncomfortable to choose it but we choose it anyways. And then we feel our mind and our body throw up all of the thoughts and emotions that it's going to throw up, throw its temper tantrum, and we stay there. We stay with our temper tantrum. We allow it, and we listen to it. We hear the truth, our truth behind where it's coming from, even though we know that there's a deeper truth there that will uncover the lie in that truth. That is our truth right now, and we speak it unashamed, without guilt, because we're not going to judge ourselves for it. We are going to love ourselves into the depths of that truth until we find the illusion that is causing the pain, instead of trying to find the nearest escape route to get away from it in food, alcohol, sex, TV, medications, social media. So you might be wondering, what is self-care then? How does this information apply to how we look at self-care? Self-care is any action taken to take care of ourselves and being the most authentic version of ourselves with all of our truths, with all of our emotional experiences and all of our truest desires, not the false desires that we let get in the way because we're trying to buffer away discomfort, but our true desires, that desire to want to explore, I wonder what would happen if I went after my PhD. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to have to save money. I'm going to have to not go out to the bars with my friends. I'm going to have to not buy new clothes every week. I'm going to have to study a lot. 
but I have this desire to want to go after that. And I don't know why that is, but I have a desire to go after it. And I want to feel the expansiveness, the growth and the love of going through that experience for myself to find out the truth that's there. That's self-care. So some actions that we could take that would be self-care. Eating healthy foods. Exercising. Reading. Studying. Practicing a new skill that we want to practice, getting a massage, taking a bubble bath, buying ourselves clothes that truly and authentically express ourselves without caring what someone else might think about it or how weird they might think it looks, meditation. These are all actions that can be self-care. So now I want to give you some examples of actions that we call self-care, but actually aren't. Eating healthy food, exercising, reading, studying, practicing a new skill, getting a massage, taking a bubble bath, buying ourselves clothes that express ourselves authentically, and meditation. And I know some of you are scratching your heads right now. (laughs) You're like, okay, he's completely lost it. (laughs) Because in case you didn't notice, yes, the list that I gave you were exactly the same. And you're like, huh? (laughs) So here's the thing. The action itself is not the self-care. It's not the self-care. It's the intention behind it. And how authentic it is towards you being your most authentic version of yourself and speaking your total truth to yourself, unashamed and unafraid of the discomfort that might come up. So let me give you some examples here of how the same practice could be self-care, but can also be self-abuse. So let's look at a really obvious one. Exercise. I see people use exercise as a form of self-abuse all of the time. So exercise can become self-care when I, I say something like, okay, my body wants to move. My body wants to feel healthy and vital and alive. And so moving Moving my body in a way that expresses that, the life, the energy, the strength that it has within it, that's self-care. And sometimes that might be lifting weights. Sometimes that might be going for a walk. Sometimes that might be stretching. Sometimes that may be doing a couple push-ups, doing a couple sit-ups. Sometimes it might be going for an hour-long run because you want to celebrate how your legs can move. And I, for one, am here to tell you, my friends, I've had some of the most amazing experiences going for long runs and really connecting with my body and like celebrating it and loving it through the whole run. This can be self-care. Where it becomes self-abuse is when, oh my god, I can't believe you ate that yesterday. Look at how fat you're getting. Look at how big you're getting. Oh, you ate all of those calories? You'd better get to the gym and exercise those calories off. Look at how disgusting you are. You're never going to have a sexy body unless you get out and start making yourself run every day. You're never going to lose weight if you don't hit the gym five or six times a week and really push yourself. No one's ever going to love you until you get down to a size that's lovable. So you better get to the gym and exercise. Do you see there the difference? The same action with two different intentions. One is so, so cruel and abusive to the body. 
And one is about celebrating your connection to your body, the vitality of it, your love of it, its ability to to be in life and move, eating healthy food. Some of you might wonder how that could be abusive. Well, it becomes abusive when you are literally, literally starving yourself because the goal is to just lose weight. And so you starve your body to death with quote-unquote healthy foods because you're not acceptable yet. Nope, we're not small enough yet to love ourselves. My skin's not clear enough yet for me to love myself. My body doesn't feel good enough yet for me to love myself, so I have to keep restrict, 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 restrict. Versus being every opportunity, every time I feel genuine hunger. Not the hunger of wanting to stuff my face full of food to avoid feeling an emotion or experiencing an experience or to just kind kind of try and escape life or to think that food gives me, you know, comfort and joy in life. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you feel true hunger, like real hunger in your body and have that opportunity to celebrate feeling putting nutritious food into your body and feeling your body celebrate getting to break that food down and put it into your body in ways that makes it feel so good and vital and energized and strong and awake and alive and healing. This is eating healthy food in a way that is self-care. That's self-care with eating healthy food. Not, oh, well, I'm, I still weigh 200 pounds, so I'm still fat, so I have to only eat a salad today. That's it. No dressing on it because that's, that, no, can't have those calories. That's not, that's eating healthy, quote-unquote healthy, in a way that is self-abuse. That's not self-care. So this is how you can kind of see, I can go through this list of, of things buying clothes for ourselves that express ourselves authentically. When I need clothes and I go to the store and I'm going to buy some clothes that I need, like I need a new pair of shorts and there are three pairs of shorts there and one pair I'm like, oh, I really love those shorts. Those truly express me. But what will other people think of me? Uh, kind of a little bit maybe maybe weird looking. They're not really what's in style right now, maybe. And maybe they're a little bit inappropriate. I don't know. But I just, I love them and I love how I feel in them. Buying those shorts because you love them on yourself and you love how you feel in them, that's self-care. Whereas, oh my God, it was such a hard day at work and, you know, I hate my life. I'm still not making enough money and I just want to be making more money and God, life is so stressful and I have all these bills and you know what? I'm just going to go shopping and buy myself a bunch of clothes that I really love. That's not self-care because your ultimate goal is that you want to feel financially free. You want to feel worthy enough in your life. You want to learn how to manage your stress and to feel good enough. And by distracting yourself from that, by going out and doing the retail therapy route of buying yourself a bunch of quote-unquote nice clothes, really what you've done is you've told yourself you're not allowed to experience that right now. 
You're not allowed to experience the discomfort that you're in right now in your life. You need to avoid that and try and seek comfort right now instead of getting to the truth behind why it is that you are in this position in your life right now and being with that and choosing instead, you know what, I could go out and buy myself clothes right now, but my my higher goal is that I want to feel financially free. And if I go out and spend $300 right now on clothes to try and distract myself that I don't feel financially free, then I create more financial burden on myself. Recognizing that and then choosing, no, I'm going to be here in this discomfort right now. I'm going to be here in this emotional experience of feeling uncomfortable and be with myself and experience all of that for my higher good. For me to allow myself to understand why is it that I am in this position? Why is it that I feel this way? What am I telling myself? What actions am I taking right now that's creating this burden on myself? Self-care is all about choosing the appropriate discomfort because you are worth feeling that discomfort. You are worth experiencing the full human experience versus choosing all of the time to try and experience, and I love this term, inappropriate comfort. I was listening to a podcast not too long ago where they were talking about this this concept of inappropriate comfort and how our culture these days teaches us to seek this level of inappropriate comfort all of the time, that we feel that we are entitled to this level of comfort at all points in time in our life, and that the goal in life is to just always try to be comfortable. And it's not because we're like evil, selfish beings. That's not why. This is, again, it goes back to the primitive brain. The primitive brain thinks comfort means we're safe and we're going to stay alive. Which is why, again, right now, we have this choice in evolving past that part of our primitive brain and to use our higher brain to recognize what the primitive brain is trying to do and then make a choice consciously of how we can create that in our life in a way that serves us. But again, we're at this point in human evolution where it's so easy to choose apathy instead. So comfort is available to us in so many different forms, and it's right there, a button away, that it's so much easier to seek the comfort all the time, to seek the, the instant gratification pleasure all of the time. And the thing is, I know that most of us conceptually know that this idea of being comfortable and happy all of the time is absurd. (laughs) We know conceptually that it's absurd. But again, we have these two brains. And because we don't choose to be in our truth enough and be in the discomfort of being in our truth enough, we never allow our higher brain to figure out why our primitive brain causes us to take these actions of always seeking comfort and giving into urges that don't serve us all of the time with the motivation of just trying to be happy and comfortable all of the time and subconsciously believing that that's the goal. And we take actions constantly to try and do just that. And what I'm asking you to do is to stop trying to escape that discomfort of your your primitive brain wanting you to seek immediate comfort 
and being like, I see you there. I see you. It's okay. I understand what you're trying to do here. You want to protect me. You think if I go after this glass of wine right now, if I go after that plate full of food right now, if I go after that cake sitting on the counter right now, if I turn on this television and binge watch this TV show until it's time to pass out and fall asleep and wake up and start tomorrow, if I go out with my friends and have drinks tonight and get shmammered drunk and then pass out and go to sleep, I know that that feels like safety because I'm avoiding this discomfort right now. And I know that you think that this discomfort means that I'm probably going to die, but it's not going to kill me. I need to figure out the truth behind this. I want to figure out the truth behind this because that's going to serve me here. That's going to serve me in becoming my most fulfilled and authentic version of myself. And that is self-care, my friends. That is choosing self-care. Self-care is when you've had the hard day and your friends invite you out for drinks to try and, you know, relax and unwind from the day. It's choosing to go home and sit in silence and be uncomfortable with all of the feelings of stress and discovering your truth underneath it. Why am I feeling stressed? What am I making my daily job and activities that I'm doing in my life mean that is causing me to experience so much stress? What parts of my life am I accepting that I just have to live in and constantly be in that I'm feeling stressed about that maybe it's, I need to change this. Maybe I want to change this. Maybe I don't in fact want to stay at this job just because it pays me a good amount of money because what I really want is to be doing this work over here. Maybe it's making less money, but that's what I genuinely want to explore and do and find out what's there for me. That's self-care. That is self-care. Instead, what I see people doing is that anytime we start to experience emotional discomfort in ourselves or we see it in others, we seek an immediate external solution for the discomfort. And what I want to offer is that as long as the discomfort is there, don't seek a solution for it. Allow it to process. That is self-care. Instead of seeking food, alcohol, medications, removing stuff from your to-do list so that you feel less stressed, turning on the television, whatever it might be, looking at Instagram, Facebook, those are our desire to seek an immediate escape from our emotional experience. And what I want to say is when you notice that urge come up, don't feel bad about it, don't try and then escape that urge. (laughs) Be with it. Let it be there. Let that urge be there. And my friends, this is actually what meditation is for. And I know so many people that try and use meditation as a way to escape stress and to escape themselves. And they think that if they don't feel completely stress-free by the end of a meditation session, that they've done it wrong, that the idea is to just get rid of all the bad thoughts, get rid of all the stressful thoughts. What meditation is about is about being able to be still in all of that chaos going on in your brain and to open yourself to it and just listen. Just let it be there and recognize you're the being that gets to allow the space for all of that to occur in. Just see it happening. Watch it. Feel it. Let it process. Let the truths come out of it that are uncomfortable to see. That are going to show you your responsibility in creating that situation and creating that emotional experience that you are then punishing your body by trying to avoid. That's what meditation is about. That's what self-care is about. Here is something you can do to try and notice whether or not you're trying to be comfortable all the time or if you're trying to immediately solve for discomfort, okay? So I'm going to say something 
And then I want you to think, first response that comes up. Okay, so you just lost your job. You got fired. Now what? What is the first thing that just popped in your head when I said, you just got fired. Now what? If it was anything but sitting with yourself, feeling all of your feelings about being fired, hearing all of your thoughts about being fired, listening to everyone in every detail, giving them space and time to process without other people around, without food, without alcohol, without medication. If your, if your immediate reaction was anything but that, then your solution was to escape the emotional experience and to try and get to comfort as fast as possible. So here's another one. Your spouse just asked you for a divorce. Or your significant other just broke up with you. For my single listeners out there, you just got stood up on a date. Now what? If the solution involved reaching for a glass of wine or a glass of some alcoholic beverage, going to the kitchen to grab food, going to a restaurant to grab food, calling a friend, yelling at someone, going to the gym, if it involved anything other than going and finding a silent space to be alone and be with your thoughts and feelings completely sober and completely open to all of it, just being there, and you choosing to be in the discomfort of being with them. If your solution was anything but that, then your solution was an escape route. Do you see what I'm getting at here? I could come up with example after example after example here, and this is an exercise that I do with a lot of my clients to show them their subconscious programming to try and escape emotional discomfort immediately. I'm not saying this because I want you to feel guilty about your desire to escape the emotional discomfort immediately, but it's because I want you to become aware of that desire and how powerful it is and how present it is in your life right now. So this is the first step to being able to choose the path of not trying to escape it. I want you to think about something else here because I know that some people, even though we conceptually know the idea is not to feel happy all the time because that's absurd, it's, it feels... I want you to understand the importance of contrast in the human experience and why it's important for us to experience all of our emotions, even anger, even sadness, even annoyance. Why it's so important to experience all of those emotions fully not just the ones and the intensities that we don't mind feeling. It's about allowing ourselves to experience all intensities of all emotions. And that doesn't mean reacting to them. It means experiencing them. And there's a difference. And I talked about that in a previous episode. I'll talk about it again. But right now, we're not going to jump into that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine a piece of paper with a lowercase i written on it. Okay? There's a lowercase i written in the middle of the piece of paper you can see the eye. Now I want you to zoom in to the dot on top of the lowercase i. Zoom in so closely that all you can see is the blackness of the dot of the letter i. I forgot to mention the piece of paper is white, the letter is black, because that's typically how print is done. Okay, so this is all you see. So now, tell me what are you looking at? You might say ink. You might say black. You may even see that I'm looking at the dot to the top of the letter I because you know what it is because I told you what it was. But say I didn't tell you. You would probably say I'm looking at black. But what you wouldn't say 
as I'm looking at the letter I. If you did not know that it was the dot on top of the letter I, then you would not know that what you were looking at is the dot on top of the letter I. Because you're so zoomed in that you can't see the whole letter. You can't see the space, the whiteness around the letter. You can't see the line below the dot to know what it is you're looking at. So now I want you to zoom out to where all you can see is the dot and the whiteness around the dot. What do you see? You may see I see a circle. You may say I see a dot. What you're not going to say is I see the letter I. But my friends, what you are looking at in both of these examples is the letter I. But you don't see it because you're focusing on one tiny part of it. And so that becomes your entire reality And therefore, you can't experience the full reality of the letter I. And what I want to say, my friends, is when you try to feel only certain emotions all of the time and certain intensities of them, what you are doing is zooming in on one tiny part of your amazing experience of being a human and making that be all of your experience of being a human. And so therefore, you don't recognize the full experience of what it is to be a human. You miss out on the letter I. Because you're too zoomed in on one specific area. You need the contrast, my friend, in order to know what it is to be human. If you were happy and comfortable all of the time, you wouldn't even know that you were happy or comfortable because you wouldn't know the contrast to know that this is happy and comfortable. And my friends, because we're seeking that comfort all of the time and seeking that happiness all the time, we end up experiencing discomfort because we're trying to negate the whole other side to our human experience. Self-care is choosing with intention to experience all parts of your humanity with intention, compassion, patience, openness, acceptance, and love, which means that truth The truth is always allowed to come out, no matter how uncomfortable it might feel, no matter how afraid you are of seeing it. You choose because I love you, me. You're speaking to yourself, I love you, so I'm going to step into this fear. It's It's choosing to experience that moment with yourself in all of its discomfort. And choosing that discomfort with so much love and patience and priority and accepting and allowing yourself to be what you truly are in that moment. And that is a powerful space to be in, my friends. It is a powerful space to let yourself experience that. Emotions, I tell my clients this all the time, they are a powerful spotlight. Every single one of them, they're a tap on the shoulder to say, hey love, I know it's hard. But I want you to look right here. Look right here. There's a thought there. There's a belief there. I know it's scary. I know that you may have tried to forget about it. And you don't want to think about the fact that you're carrying it around with you. So why don't we go to a quiet place right now? Be alone with all of this. And let's figure out together which parts are still serving us and why and which parts aren't, and why. So we can come back to this journey of life full of love, power, and abundance with ourselves. 
Every emotion is there to say just that. And the brand of self-care that we're being taught to practice doesn't allow us to do that. The brand of self-care that we're being taught to practice is all about getting away from that emotional experience as fast as possible. That's not self-care. It's self-avoidance. It's self-neglect. It's self-abuse. Self-care is saying instead, this is uncomfortable, but I still choose you. This is uncomfortable, so it must be important. So yes, self, I choose you. I have the time for you. You are important enough for me to be in the discomfort by choice for you. Because I want to get to the bottom of this. I want to have understanding. I want to have compassion, acceptance, and love and empowerment for myself again. I don't want to judge myself and feel guilt and try and seek temporary numbness because of the pain that I'm creating in myself by resisting and escaping over and over and over and over again. Self-care is about carefully choosing to sit in all of your human experience, in all of that discomfort, choosing the appropriate discomfort for you. That is the process of love and self-care. And then we stand in that newfound strength and bond with ourselves because we recognize I'm here for you and I will always, I will always choose you. No matter how uncomfortable it might be and we're so busy out there waiting for someone else to say this to us when what we really want is to do it for ourselves that's self-care my friends so it's a truly selflessly selfish act of choosing that uncomfortableness because we're willing to do that so that we can have our full human experience and love it. And when we're able to do that for ourselves, guess what? That overflows from us. That love overflows from us. That openness overflows from us and out into the world around us. And we allow those around us to experience their full human experience because we're no longer making it mean something bad about us when they react with anger, when they react with rage, when they react with disgust. Because because we understand this is their human experience. And we don't try to buffer it away from them. We don't try and take it away from them by attacking back. We instead are able to hold the space for them like we held for ourselves, for them to be in that human experience as long as they need to, to find the truth of love on the other side of it. We see self-care as being self-indulgent, But I think it's because of the way that we look at self-care. We look at self-care as being escape routes. When what self-care is, is stepping with fierceness and love into the fire of discomfort for ourselves. Because we say to ourselves, I love you and I'm willing to do this for you. Self-care creates more love in us and therefore more love in the world around us. My friends, self-care is fierce. Self-care is uncomfortable, but it is the discomfort of love. It is the discomfort of fiercely seeking the truth for ourselves. So, If this sounds like something you want to dive in deeper into, my friends, I promise you it is the most important work you can ever do. 
And I know you, a lot of people think it's self-indulgent, but I've just shown you how in this episode it is not self-indulgent. It is the most selfless and powerful thing you can do for yourself and the world around you. Self-care is so deep and powerful. It's not about the escape routes. It's not about numbing devices. It's not about neglecting yourself or anyone around you. It is about fiercely choosing love over and over. And I'm here to guide any one of you into that journey of self-care, self-image, self-love, and show you how to do it with the most powerful and fierce love. All right, my friends, that's all I have for you this week. I can't wait to talk to you all again next week. For now, go out and practice that fierce self-care. Choose the appropriate discomfort. I love you all. I'll talk to you next week. Ciao. Hey, thank you for listening in this week. I hope you enjoyed the content of this episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow this podcast to receive the newest episodes every week as I bring them to you here on the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. Ratings, reviews, and comments are always appreciated. These allow me to know more of what my listeners would like in the podcast and allow for more people who may be searching for a podcast just like this one to find the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. If you would like more information about me and the work that I do with my clients one-on-one, then please visit my website at www.slch.ch. Again, that is www.slch.ch. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at SethLusk underscore coaching. Again, that is SethLusk underscore coaching. And on Facebook in my free Facebook group community called A Healthy Life Connection. We would love to have you in the group, and it's only three membership questions that you have to answer to join. And again, it's entirely free. And if you need any further information or just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email directly at slusk.health at slch.ch. Again, that is slusk.health at slch.ch. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Ciao.